Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by run for prs Coaching. run for prs Coaching helps runners of all abilities discover their inner strength and potential. They understand how difficult it can be to juggle training, family, career, and other pursuits and are excited to help support you in your athletic journey while pushing you to new heights. run for prs Coaches work with athletes from all over the world through an online coaching platform that allows them to set your schedule, review your runs, communicate feedback, and hold you accountable. All of their coaches are Boston uh, Marathon qualifiers with years of coaching experience, and you can learn more at runforprs.co. That's runforprs.co. Sorry about that. I'm recording this on Halloween night. It's been a busy, busy night. My voice is kind of losing it there, but like I said, runforprs.co or on Instagram where their, their handle is runforprs. That's P-R-S. And you should definitely check them out there. They got like 75,000 followers because they give out great coaching. And they also, and this is awesome for them, is they also uh, show you what some of their clients have done, the progress they have made, and what they're looking to do in the future. So with that being said, today's episode is actually a repeat guest. It's my good friend, Randy Orm. Randy her original, um, original stop on the show was early in 2018. And I wanted to have her back on because she has had a remarkable year. This is like the comeback story that everyone wants to have. She had her first DNF in a hundred in a in a big race for her, and she was at Leadville. It was a big deal. She trained for it. She was running with friends, and it was a complete letdown for her. She gets she she goes into it. She explains it and. She bounced back, man. She's had uh, a pretty crazy year in 2018, but it didn't stop her from just setting a PR at a recent half marathon, and I'll let her get into it. But it was a huge PR, and who doesn't love a comeback story? It was huge. It really was. I know I've said that a couple of times, but it is absolutely true. And beyond that, Randy is just a fantastic person. She's so much fun, has just so much energy and enthusiasm, and you get all of that. In this episode. So I hope you enjoy this episode with my friend Randy Orm. Hello, Randy, and welcome back to the Rambling Runner Podcast. Thank you, Matt. I'm happy to be here with you this morning. Oh, well, hey, it's it's awesome that it's still the morning for you. It's like 1245 <laughs> my time. Um, and it was like these East Coast, West Coast time is like it's never more obvious to me than like right now during like the major league baseball like playoffs or right now in the world series i stayed up late last night watching the red sox oh i bet i've I've never wanted to live on the west coast more than these like eight o'clock starts i feel like it ruins me for the next morning no it really does we are big sports fans and lived on the east coast for six years and it destroys you but you can't help it especially in a good game right you're all in it's so true it's like you almost have to just say i'm not going to even watch any of it because once you start, it's like it's just so easy to get sucked in. For sure. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was my excuse this morning, at least, for my bad running. Hey, so, you want to know your bad running? <laughs> That's all right. Those runs happen, right? It's part of, part of what we signed up for. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Um, but, hey, I was so excited to get you back on the show because you've gone through something recently that, first of all, you've been kicking some serious butt. But also, it's something that a lot of people go through. So, first of all, I just want to say – Congrats on the huge PR over at Rebel Half Marathon, 123. Holy cow. 
Ah, thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, I am really stoked that everything came together on the right day and that I was, I felt amazing and just flew down the mountain. So I'm really, really grateful for a good day out there. Now you say flew down the mountain. What is the elevation change for that race? Um, I would need to look it up. I want to say, I mean, it's pretty significant. The first, the first nine miles, eight, eight and a half miles, that's where you lose most of it. I want to say it's at least 3000 feet of loss. Um, maybe a little bit more. Um, I was just actually looking at all the rebel courses, so they're all a little bit (laughs) blurred. Um, I think, yeah, I want to say around 3000 feet, um, give or take, um, uh, and yeah, and most of that's in the first eight or nine miles. So for a long time, those six twenty miles, to be honest, felt very effortless. And I knew that was going to go away, but, um, I do well on downhill courses for some people. It really beats up their legs. And although I definitely felt it afterwards when I'm kind of in the moment on those downhill courses, I, I usually feel pretty good. Right. I can see there being a tipping point for a lot of people about like, all right, I'd love to be on a downhill course, but there comes a point where at least like for a lot of people where the strain on your quads would seem to be overwhelming. Like for me, it's like even going like a mile downhill, I'm just not used to it. Like it's a bear after a little bit. Absolutely. I, um, that is, I would say very typical. I think for me, it was a combination of a few things. One, I just came off of ultra training. So I have been doing a lot of hills all year. Um, and so that definitely also helped just cause I think that muscle memory and that, like that shock absorption in my legs, um, I would say is above average right now. <laughs> so that definitely helped. And you're very active also in terms of like in trying to improve your strength, like not just as a runner from running strength, but you're, you're very active you know, on the bike. You also, you, you lift, you do core work. It seems like it's something where being as high quality an athlete as you can be is you know almost like the the, the overwhelming goal uh, of a lot oh, of Oh absolutely training. I really feel like being a well balanced athlete makes a world of difference and to be honest I focused on it more on this short training cycle. You know I had to take a lot of time off which I'm sure we're gonna talk about with my anemia not that long ago. And so um I really focused when I was rebuilding, especially because I've been running like faster track work maybe than ever before. I've really made an extended focus back. You know, I've taken my personal training background and really refocused and re-centered my training approach. I've always lifted, but I've I've been a little more focused on um lifting with intent and purpose and just quality strength sessions that are gonna aid me as a runner. Um, and I, yeah, I've always been that way, but taking a little more focus, even just these last three months, I have already seen, um, a difference. So in the past, was it simply like you just got in routine of exercises you'd like that worked for you in the past and just kind of stuck with it a little bit? I mean, I, because, you know, I've been a personal trainer for 15 years and, um, so there's, it's by nature, I'm always switching things up, um, just because, I've got this database in my head of all these fun exercises, but definitely I would say just a little bit, I got a little bit lazy with it, you know, like, okay, I got in squats and lunges this week. Check, check. I did my twice a week, lower body lift. Check. I did my upper body 
twice a week instead of really focusing on am I improving like our muscles have memory and when we do the same thing over and over again we can maintain but we we kind of stop improving if we're not switching things up and challenging our muscles in different planes and in different ways and so I was like you know what Randy treat yourself kind of step back from the situation and treat yourself like if a client came to you and and so I feel like I've tried hard to do that um, right now and over the past training cycle. Um, so yeah, a little bit of what you said and a little bit of um, just kind of reevaluating where I was in regards to my strength. Yeah. And I was talking to Crystal Seaver the other day, whose episode is going to come oh, out relatively soon. I love Crystal. And, She's um, so knowledgeable. Yes, she sure is. And we talked a lot about strength, especially in regards to what she did. Um, she basically climbed the you know, went up and down Stratton Mountain 17 times, which is the equivalent of climbing Mount Everest in terms of elevation. Yes. And we just talked yeah. about, about leg strength mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And she was hot on like not just the, the lunges and squats, which you know are obvious have obvious benefits. Right. Right. Like people don't people all know that they're good for you. If they're not doing them, it's just because they don't want to do right. them. Right. Right. Don't argue <laughs> their benefits. Exactly. Um but we talked a lot about just the ancillary muscles and the, the lifting that might seem a little goofy at times that impact those, but that can be immensely beneficial. Are those things that you focus on? Absolutely. And, you know, actually Crystal and I became, I think friends that way we talk regularly and, um, and I started, I found her on Instagram. I don't know when, but I started looking at all of her exercises and all the different planes of motions she was using. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So I do, I don't do videos like she does. And so I always am thinking, oh, that would be a great, you know, valuable thing to offer. But um, we have very similar training philosophies and um, yeah, doing all of those different planes of motions and concentric and eccentric movements and um, also moving through, um, yeah. So sometimes that does feel a little bit awkward and different, but you're focusing on balance and control and also strengthening a lot of teeny muscles that get that can get easily neglected when you're running all the time because you're just moving forward in one direction and one plane of motion. And, but um, so by strengthening all these little muscles that help in the process, you're not only making yourself a stronger runner, faster runner, having more endurance, but it's also injury prevention too. So. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're talking about ways in which you have, you know, kind of maintained your athletic ability, but basically right after we spoke last time on your first mm-hmm. episode here on the podcast, yeah. you had an experience that for you from an athletic standpoint was like a real, it was just an enormous bummer. Like I know you were, you were emotional yeah. about it and rightfully yeah. so you had your first DNF uh, at a race that meant a lot to you. So can you just give the backstory about what happened on that day and what your expectations were heading into it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the race that we're speaking about, just to let people know, is in Leadville, Colorado, is the Silver Rush 50 miler. So uh, my last 50 miler in February of this year with actually a lot more elevation gain than Leadville went great. Um, I recovered from that went and ran rim to rim to rim. So back and forth across the grand Canyon, which with a couple girlfriends, which was another $50 that went great. But right around that time, um, for a backstory, I started having some really, um, 
bad menstrual cycles and they were affecting my athletic performance. But I just kept thinking, you know, I'll get better. So I'd have like really, I'd have a couple good training weeks and a couple bad ones. And I was just kind of going back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, me being the positive person that I am and trying to focus on my gains and my strengths, I just thought, you know, oh, those, that'll be fine. So I just kept training and just kept pushing through. And every time I'd start to doubt and, you know, kind of my athletic ability, maybe I'd have a strong week or maybe things would start to go better. So I just kept pushing through. And then I um, was really fortunate to be able to go to Leadville a couple weeks before my race um, and participate in the Leadville 100. So for the so for Leadville's famous 100 mile race, I was able to participate in their run camp. Goo sent me out there. Let me bring a friend. They're they're so such an awesome company to work with. And um, and so I was able to run out there. I ran most of the Leadville 100 course in the course of three days. I we probably first day we ran 30 miles. Second day we ran 25. The third day we ran 20 all above 10,000 feet. And although it was definitely a butt kicker, honestly, I felt really well. I felt like I was holding back because I was technically in taper for the Leadville 50. And I, um, but I ran so well there, quote, holding back that I was sure, despite my reservations and kind of the ups and downs of not feeling well, um, I had had some really strong runs and I had also had a really strong weekend there. So for me, the Leadville, and I also was experiencing the hype of the Leadville 100. Most of the athletes I ran with were coming back to do the 100. And honestly, the Leadville 100 is kind of, it's kind of a dream race for me. It's still on my radar. I still plan on doing it. So my plan was to be able to go back to the Leadville Silver Rush 50 and to nab a coin. Now to nab a coin, you have to place in the top of your age group and that gives you a guaranteed entry for the Leadville 100. Very much confident that I could come back in a couple of weeks and get that coin at the Leadville Silver Rush 50 miler. Um, I was confident that I could be a top finishing female. Now I know that you never know the competition that's gonna show up on race day, but I knew that as an athlete, based on my training and some really strong back-to-back long runs back home, that on a good day, I should be able to do this. So I went into the Leadville 50, ready to kick some booty. Um, however, I did, back to what we're going to talk about, I my stinking cycle hit me like a load of bricks about 40, 30 hours before the race. Um, I left all my supplements at home that I had been taking very half-heartedly and thought I will be fine. Randy, just tough it out. If you get cramps, you can take some ibuprofen. You will be fine. So, um, I, so race day came and you know, my two of my, both the girls that I ran rim to rim to rim with Laura and Tina, they were there. My family was there and, um, you know, I was ready to do my thing and, the, you know, the gun went off and the race began. And I would say two miles in, I felt like there was zero gas in the tank. I'm talking like I wanted to just lay down and take a nap. I, I'm talking if I would have seen my husband or my kids at that moment, I might have just been like, something isn't right. Today's not my day. But I, you know, I've never had a DNF. I but to, for me at that point, two miles into a 50 mile race to think maybe I shouldn't race today 
was like super messed with me mentally. I'm like, why in the heck would I even have that thought? Like get in the game, Randy. So I kind of did this whole, you know, the mental pep talk, the mantras, what I would tell myself or a friend or an athlete that I coach to do. Like, you know, you, you dig deep, you think about your training, you trust the process and you go get it done. So I tried to do that. So I just, I kept going. And at that point, the first few miles in the race, my pace wasn't bad. Um, but normally when I start out in a race, I just kind of tick people off, move towards the front and hang on to my spot. And the exact opposite was happening. I could not hold a pace and just people were passing me. And honestly, I've never had that happen before where as I'm running, it's just nonstop <laughs> people passing me. And I'm like, I feel horrible. So that's kind of how the race went on. I just felt I had nothing left. I had nothing to give from the beginning. And I just kept thinking, I'll feel better. Just keep going. Just keep eating. Follow your nutrition plan. Like your legs know how to do this. You were just up here. You just did. You just ran many miles above 10,000 feet. And, you know, you felt fine. You can do this, Randy. So, you know, but unfortunately, the longer I ran, the worse it got. Um, I made some really great friends along the way that definitely helped running shoulder to shoulder with them. And normally I'm the person that, that like peps people up. I'm like, I feel great. Like we've got this. It's a beautiful day. And they're like, how are you doing? And I just, in my brain, I was like, do I be honest right now? Or do I do my normal Randy thing that usually is genuine, but I didn't, I didn't even have it. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing good. I'm like, I, I honestly feel like death. Like I feel horrible, but thank you for asking. And I'm going to run by your side and let's chat and not talk. And let's just, let's be friends. And I'm just going to keep plugging along. Um, and with you as like Mrs. Positivity, which like, I know you are, we've talked a bunch. You're always like that. So as you're trying to pep yourself up with that normal, like you said, giving yourself every mantra, you know, relying on your training. Here we go. I was just here. What part of you was also trying to like search for like a reason why all of a sudden you're experiencing something that you almost never experienced, if ever? Right. Yeah. No, I definitely was like, what is going on? And I, I mean, I, I mean, I was saying little prayers to myself and I was getting pretty upset in my brain. Like, I don't think you visibly would have known I was ticked off, but I was like, this is crap. You know, like I worked so hard for this. Like what is going on? Like, like this whole like pity party, like this is not me. Like I've trained too hard for this. Like my body, I felt like my body was betraying me, <laughs> you know, like what is going on? And so no, I definitely was searching and, you know, my cycle kept coming back to me and I'm like, why are you kidding me? Because I, th th this, this had happened to me a few races in a row and I'm like, but the other ones I had seemed to, to manage better and, and I could, you know, I had a sinking feeling that that was it because I just, I had no energy, you know, now in hindsight, I know they were all symptoms of extreme anemia that I was experiencing that I just was, I guess. I was in denial about, and I just tried to, you know, push through. Um, so as the race went on, I would hang with people for miles and then I just couldn't keep with them anymore. And I would just say, you look amazing. You look so strong. You go have the race of your life. Like I'll see you at the finish. And then I think about around mile, I don't know, somewhere in the late teens, my friend Tina passed me and she's like, hang on, like, let's run together. And I was like, I can't. And then 10 miles later, my friend Laura, or maybe five miles later, my friend Laura passed me and they were all like, what, why, like, why am I seeing you? And I was like, today's not my day, you know, go get them. And I actually had missed my, 
I might've pulled out. I, so I ended up quitting at mile 26. Um, there was one more main aid station, I think in the high teens that I could have seen my family at. And this has never happened. My husband is the best support crew. He's never missed me when he said he was going to, but I actually missed him. What happened was he got there after like the top five or six ladies had gone through and he started counting and he, I think he got to like 35th and he didn't see me. So he thought he missed me because normally on trail races, I'm, I'm a, right. normally on trail racers. I am typically or trail races. Pardon me. I'm typically towards the front of the pack. So he thought, Oh no, I missed her. I feel so bad. So he took off. I can't remember what it was. He missed me by one person. He had counted like, Let's say I was in at mile 18, I was in 30th place. He had gone to runner 29. Like he missed me by like a minute. <laughs> and so oh I literally, goodness. it took all, cause I'm like, I needed like, I needed to hug my kids. I, I was like, okay, if you just see your family, maybe they'll give you that like special, you know, something that we can't explain that our family gives us just that love and that support. I'm like, I need something. So I missed them. And then after that, I just kept feeling worse and worse. And I think that's maybe when I started, like, to be honest, blacking out a little. Like, I would all of a sudden not really remember where I was. I was just really out of it. I would be like, oh, wait, where are we? And how did I get here? And I, that's when I really started thinking, Randy, this is probably the day that you're going you're gonna to you're gonna need to get a did not finish. You're going to need to get a DNF. Um, but I, I, if I would have quit in, like, the middle of the mountains in Leadville around, like, people like, why did you pull out earlier? I mean, these aid stations are in the middle of nowhere. I wouldn't have been to my family for hours. So for me, it's so stupid. But to keep running to quit was basically what I was doing. <laughs> because, and only maybe an ultra marathoner understand that. But does that make sense? It, like, it would have been worse for me to quit in the middle of nowhere because someone would have had to come get me on like some sort of like four wheeler or I don't know. And I just thought, okay. No, so of course. I of course. was running to quit at quit at the next main at the turnaround point. And really it's about a 52 mile course. And then with tangent. So when I stopped, when I saw my husband, I just started bawling and he looked at me and he knew, and I knew, and it was like, it just wasn't my day. And so that was a very long version of what I could have told shorter of kind of how I came to terms and what was going on with me physically and mentally and emotionally that led me. And my husband looked at me, he pulled me off the side of the trail and he knows me so well. And he like grabbed my shoulders after I had a good cry. And he's like, Randy, remember how you feel right now. Remember how hard this is and how bad you feel because when you get back and you take a shower and you take a nap and really all you did was run 26 miles today, which you do regularly, you're not going to feel crummy anymore and you're going to doubt yourself. So you need to freeze this moment and remember that you did the right thing. And honestly, I had to go back to that over and over again over the next week because when all of a sudden I wasn't sore the day after because I was trained to run 50 miles and I ran 26 miles way slower than I normally do. Does that make sense? So it was like as, as the self-doubt like started creeping in and as I was, you know, and maybe people say comments like, oh, that Leadville, it sure will get you. And I just want to be like, you know, well-meaning people say things that might get under your skin or maybe hurt your feelings. And you have to, you have to not let those like outside voices affect you. And you have to go back to why you decided that you needed to drop out of the race and why I decided that it wasn't my day and to feel confident and to feel, um, to, to really embrace that decision 
and know that it was the right one because the shoulda, woulda, couldas, they don't help anybody out. And so that is what I had to decide to do um, from that moment forward was why did this happen? And it was a, such a wake up call. Like, Randy, this, this is not your body. What is going on? And so that was like the point where I decided to embrace the decision. Yes, it stung. And yes, it stunk, but also to move forward and fix it. Because like um, I had had a bunch of runs where I felt like that. And I just chalked them up to bad runs because then I'd have another good run. And it was time to like evaluate where I was and to get some answers and to make some changes. That's a great point. Um, Because for a lot of people, for a variety of different reasons, the whole bad run followed by a good run thing, it's easy to mask, you know, like whatever could be happening to you, right? Or it's easy to rationalize it. Like, oh, maybe I didn't get a good night's sleep. Or, hey, maybe maybe I shouldn't have stopped at that fast food place. Obviously, the next day. But then if it happens over, you know, a sustained period of time, and it's obviously not something that's, um, you know, that's, that's common to you as an athlete, you know, it, it certainly can be a sign of bigger things. So for you, it was what severe anemia in malabsorption. Yeah. Issues? So I had severe anemia, not just like your run of the mill average, you know, Oh, my iron's low female. And then, and then malabsorption issues of nutrients, which that's kind of a side effect of, of severe anemia, but I also had, and it's still healing. Everything's pretty much healed, but I had a really big bacterial overgrowth in my gut, which sorry, TMI. And so because of that, I, um, it created a whole bunch of food sensitivities that I don't normally have. And then I also, I wasn't, even though I was eating really healthy, I wasn't absorbing, um, all of the nutrients that help, you know, that give you that, umph. we all, we need that. And so, yeah, that's what was going on up in the house. <laughs> Damn. So you're eating all, so you're eating all this healthy food, salads everywhere. And you're not even getting the positive no. benefit. You might as well just been eating. Yeah. Hamburgers. I mean, good grief. I could have like had <laughs> months full of delicious, like in and out, but, uh, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's, um, I, I came home, I was gone for another month. Um, cause it was the start of like this epic warm summer mountain vacation. It was right at the beginning. It was the day after my birthday. So I couldn't really go get labs or anything done and meet with, um, my naturopath, a really amazing naturopath doctor, um, who has been like a life changer for me. Um, I couldn't meet with him for another month. So while I was in on vacation, I mostly rested slash if anybody who follows me on Instagram, I have these really amazing running friends in Utah and I couldn't help myself. So I did run some peaks with friends. And to be honest, I had a great time while I was there, but it would like trash me for the whole rest of the day. I knew something was wrong, but these are friends I get to see like once or twice a year. So I, I knew that I was probably making it worse, but I, at that point, I didn't care because I knew I was going to go home and take a month off. I knew things were bad. So I was, so that's not necessarily the best attitude, but I was like, well, I just had a DNF. I know something's wrong. I'm at least going to go stand on mountaintops with my trail running sisters um, while I can. Cause I knew once I saw a doctor, it, I knew it was going to be no running. And I knew, I knew that things were going to need to change. So yeah. I hear it. Yeah. It's like the guy who goes in for coronary heart surgery and it's like, well, I might as well have some fast food now <laughs> because once I get this thing done, it's going to be all over. Right, and I know. I'm not going to be able to have any more of that. <laughs> and I, I'm just being honest here. Like, that, clearly that's probably wasn't the best thing to do. I'm sure I made it worse. Because at that point, I thought, 
dang, do I have anemia? Dang, do I have other things going on? But I wasn't sure. So I just tried to like eat healthy and sleep and rest when I could. But I was also in the middle of like a vacation with four young kids and family weddings. And I mean, we had a family reunions. We had a lot going on. So to be honest, there wasn't a lot I could do. Um, And my husband was probably only there for half of it. So I just knew I needed to kind of get through the month. <laughs> yeah, like hearing that you need to rest is like, it's not a helpful suggestion. No, it's horrible. In that yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that's very yeah. funny. Hilarious. We'll talk about that later. You know. Um... <laughs> exactly, exactly. So how do you, how do you solve the anemia in malabsorption? Yeah, so <clears throat> anemia um, honestly was mostly supplement based, but it was about getting high quality supplements. Um, and so with that, my, I was also, my adrenals were also shot, unfortunately, because, because my, basically when you have anemia for a long period of time, when you have really low iron and really low ferritin and mine was so low is that it was affecting like my deep stores. Most people, if they have a little bit of anemia, they can take a basic supplement. They can up their iron consumption with their food. And if they're consistent, they're going to feel better. Mine, my doctor was basically like, and I was working with two different ones. They're like, your, your deep stores are shot too. So this isn't going to be an issue that like, oh, I've been on supplements for a week. Yay, I feel better. Now, it definitely helped. But um, yeah, so supplement-based. Um, um, I also, when I came home, I took some time off. And then I got my lab, before I, I got my labs back. And then I had to take more time off. So if that makes sense, I thought I was okay. Started working out again. I basically took two 10-day breaks, but I worked out for a week in between. So I basically took about three weeks off. Um, in the month of August with a few workout days in the middle, because again, you're still trying. I was starting, I was working, I just gotten a new coach and I was really hoping that I was going to be able to just like hit the ground running. But once all my labs came back, it was like, um, no, sorry that you're not there yet. So we need to get these issues addressed. You need to take a chill pill and let your body heal and let these stores build up. So it was a combination of rest um, and a lot of high quality supplements. Now these are all like, they're natural supplements, but like prescription grade from my natural, from my, you know, um, from my doctor. So, um, and I did notice a big improvement probably within, I would say 10 days. But what was really interesting is if I did not take like one day, for instance, I forgot to take all of my iron supplements and I could totally feel it the next day in my workout. And I called up, you know, my naturopath and I'm like, dude, Dr. Chill, his name is Dr. Chill. Isn't that fitting? He's the best. I'm like, (laughs) I literally didn't take things for one day and I feel crummy again. And he's like, that's because your deep stores aren't full. So basically everything was very superficial. Like if I had it in my system, I felt good. But if I wasn't on top of it, I felt bad again. And actually that answered some of my questions with why my health was so yo-yo in the spring, why I would feel good and bad, good and bad. I was very inconsistent. I was taking supplements then, but nothing. I hadn't met with a doctor. I was just like, I had been anemic when I was pregnant. And so I had just like, gone and gotten those same supplements because those made my labs get better. So I knew they worked for my body, but instead of taking them twice a day, like you were supposed to, I'd take them like four times a week. 
You know what I mean? I, I never, I didn't take it serious. And now that I had gotten kind of hit rock bottom for lack of a better word with my anemia and with my energy level, I mean, I had brain fog, fatigue, I was lethargic and I had blamed all of these things on kind of being a tired mother runner. And like you said, it's really easy to justify when all of a sudden you have a strong workout and you can, and, and, and granted, yeah, sometimes we have a crummy workout because we didn't get enough sleep and because we ate fast food. Those are all very real, but when it's happening for months on end, like it's time to maybe stop justifying things. Um, if you're treating your body right and you're still not in your, it's still happening then it's time to, to, to maybe like to have a little come to Jesus meeting with yourself and to be like, okay, what's going on here? Um, so sorry, I'm moving backwards for a moment, but it all kind of filters into this, this same thing. And so, so yeah, when I finally saw somebody, a professional, a doctor who knew what he was talking about, he works with a lot of high level athletes and I'm very much about complementary and alternative medicine. I want to see science. I want to see labs. I want to see the data, but if we can approach this from a natural holistic point and I can get results, then that's going to be, to me, that's like the best combination. And so I spent, when you're spending a lot of time and money to get answers, all of a sudden you take it very seriously. So I do not, I take my supplements twice a day, every day. I do everything he tells me. Um, I got food sensitivity labs done, unfortunately, because my kind of microbiome gut issues, my gut was so sensitive. I have some sensitivities right now that I probably normally don't have. At least that's what the doctor says. And as I heal, hopefully I'll be able to have those things again. So right now, no sugar, no dairy, no gluten. Actually, I shouldn't say no sugar, just very low sugar because it's feeding one of like the, the bacteria overgrowth I had. Um, so, but doing all those things, I literally, it sounds corny, but I feel like a new human being. And so for me to go to feeling that crummy two and three months being able, granted it was a downhill course, but to be able to run like a one twenty three half marathon, like that's proof that, that it's working. Yeah, I would <laughs> say so. <laughs> that's for sure. But there's obviously more that goes into it than just overcoming the health issues you're obviously a very positive person we've already talked about that but when you're in the doldrums of getting over you know just poor athletic performance and, and just the negative uh, ways your body yeah. felt you know there are times where it can be hard to drum up the motivation to like to to start competing again at a high level because you know what kind of um just what kind of you know focus you need and determination you need to get back up there, right? Like you had this great training cycle mm -hmm. that ended in this DNF mm -hmm. that obviously had a big impact on you. And here you are struggling for a couple months trying to get back to normal, never mind back up to like the best level you can be. So what was it like for you just from a motivation standpoint and figuring out, you know, your why when it comes to running? Yeah, it was definitely a moment for me to step back and really think about, why do I do this? And, you know, I just did an Instagram post about that. It's like, why do I love something so much that can break, that can also break you at the same time. And so kind of just going back to the basics of why I've loved to run since I was a little girl and like the joy and the peace that it brings into my life and the balance and the center that it gives me. And I had to like take a moment to step back, say, regardless of like the athletic accolades that you might get, like, if you can never run fast, quote, whatever, everybody's fast is so relative. If you can never run fast again or, or, or place again, are, do you still want to do this? Like, do you still love this? And the answer is you 
better believe I do. And it is worth it. Like, even if, even if me running is just, is nothing like I've done before, but it brings me the joy and the exhilaration, um, then that's enough for me. So first I had to make that decision because I felt like if I couldn't say that right now, then maybe for me, my priorities like were skewed in regards to why I run. And so, so that was really big for me because I'm like, okay, well then the pressure's off, Randy. If, if that really is the case, then just go back to the basics and run because you love to run, let your body heal. You've been a trainer and a coach for 15 years. Let's be smart about this and let's just rebuild and because you love to run and then let's see what happens. Yeah. And then once you built that foundation back up again. Yeah. Did you feel like a renewed sense of spirit when it came to having the kinds of workout days that you in the year? Yeah, you blinked out there just for a moment, but um, I think I caught. I think I caught that. So, so um, will you actually? Will you say that one more time? Sorry, Matt. Oh no worries. I can just edit it out. It's no big deal. I appreciate you saying that. Um, so as you said, after you set up like the foundation of, you know, your health is coming back mm-hmm. and you have that sense of purpose that's renewed, what was it like when you started, you know, knocking out some like high level, um, you know, whether it's track workouts or hard workout days again? Oh my gosh. So powerful. I kind of feel like a new runner again. I know that sounds cheesy, but like I, after, so there's a, there's a really awesome, um, track about two miles from my house. Um, at a local university and it's kind of become a good friend of mine. And, um, I will tell you, I have gotten, so my coach is Tyler Underwood. Awesome. Awesome. By the way. And like some of these workouts he was writing me, I'm like, basically, are you crazy? There's no way that I can do this. Like, I mean, I'd be reading along my little, my little notes and I'd read what I was supposed to do. And, and I would literally say, I can't do that. And then right after the next sentence would be, you can do this. <laughs> oh yeah, that was so funny. And then I'd go and I'm like, all right, someone believes I can do this. At one point I could do this. So I'm just going to try. I'm going to, um, and then holy crap, like I did it. And honestly, I'd go in my car and cry. Like, I'm not joking just because it's like for a while, it's really discouraging, you know? Um, and so I, I definitely felt like, okay, Randy, like you can, you can still do this. And, you know, and those moments when you, you're at your kind of lower moments while at the same time, I'm just told you that I love running because I love running. You're also going, okay, I'm 35. Maybe, maybe like I peaked, maybe, you know, my days of being able to like step up my athletic game are over. And, you know, you have so many like negative, negative thoughts. And so for me to be able to kind of push through those and be like, that's silly. You need to go out there and and give it a shot. Let yourself get healthy and, you know, see what you can do. And so for me to, to say that mentally and just really hope and pray that that could happen. And then to go and that, that actually would happen. Um, it was definitely a renewed sense of like very empowering and like, um, very, um, motivating. It's funny how you just said that about being 35 because like now I'm envisioning you talking to one of your clients who's 35 and them saying something like that to you. And you'd be like, you'd shoot it down immediately. But it's funny how we talk to ourselves sometimes. Um, and we you're, are probably more critical of ourselves than we'd ever be to somebody Oh, else. you better believe it. Yeah. That's like, if, if, if somebody said that to me, a friend or an athlete, I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, like that is like, 
Um, especially nowadays when we see so many high performing athletes in like their 40, like it's crazy. Like age is just a number. And I truly believe that. But like you said, sometimes we put these very unrealistic expectations and like mental voices in our heads that are so far from the truth. And, and that's part of the process. We have to work through those and shut those down, you know? Right. And it's funny because you have this dichotomy and I think almost every athlete who really is striving for goals has it is that you have this part of you that loves running and loves what it does for you just holistically. Right. Right. But one of the things you mentioned in that post, which I thought was fantastic was that reminding yourself that you are a fighter was something that was also key for you in this comeback. So what was it like? Like, what, what did that mean for you um, when you say that you're a fighter and how do you balance that with that other more holistic side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A fighter, a fighter in regards to just like not giving up and going um, like fighting for my goals. Like if I, you know, like I just because I had a DNF doesn't mean I still don't want to go do a hundred mile race and I still don't want to run a sub three hour marathon. And so like to step back and say, fight for your goals, Randy, like, you know, do what it takes holistically, athletically, you know, like rebalance, refocus, and don't give up. To me, fighting means you don't give up. Like you don't back down because things got rough. You don't back down because, because your confidence for a while was a little bit shot and a little bit blown. Um, so working through that and, and, um, definitely also when I, when I wrote that I'm a fighter, I definitely thought about my race last week. I, to be transparent, I thought about that DNF so much leading up to that half marathon last week. Cause it was my first race back and I just needed it for myself. I needed to go out there and feel strong. And I wore Leadville gear all week long. Like instead of being like, Oh, that didn't happen. I'm like, Nope, that happened. And I'm rising up. You know what I mean? And so, um, it definitely like, um, was a reminder that I have been fighting to regain confidence and regain health and fitness as an athlete. So did you run with an, like, with an edge? Like, did you run a little angry? Oh, heck yes, I did. Oh, you better believe it. I don't know that angry is <laughs> the right word, but edge for sure. Um, I was talking to a few girls on the start line, and I feel a little bit silly. Like, they were like, oh, what's your goal? And they were all talking about theirs. And I felt silly, like, even mentioning mine, because I just felt like people would laugh at me. But in my brain, I'm like, no, 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 you can do this, Randy. And so I definitely went out there with, like, like I felt like I had something to prove and I wouldn't necessarily say something to prove to others, but something to prove to myself that like, I still had it that I could get out there and just grind, you know what I mean? And just really see what I could do. And that's what I wanted. I just wanted to see what I could do on a day when I felt well and that I was willing to like go to the pain cave and push through. Heck yeah. I love that. And the last thing I want to mention from this post, because I thought it was not only does it kind of touch on something you just discussed, but as a parent, it's something that is related to all the things that we do. It's just the, the conversation that your 11 year old had with you once you finished, once he saw you after, after the, um, after the 50 mile of the silver road 50, just tell the people what, what he said to you and what, impact it had in terms of your communication with your kids following that experience yeah um so my son came in who is 11 he at times can just really be this old wise spirit and so after i 
I was walking back to the car with my husband and my brother-in-law and my four kids. And, um, I, he hugged me and even grabbed my hand and, um, he said something on the lines of me, he, you know, he was just like, mom, like, I'm so proud of you. And he like looked me in the eye and he, you know, he, he just was like, you know, you made the right choice today, mom. I can't remember right off the hand exactly what he said, but I think, and I didn't include this in my podcast, but he, he said, thank you. He said, thank you, mom. I'm really grateful you stopped racing today. Like, um, and, um, I mean, it was so powerful to me at that moment. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, gosh, I do a lot of things wrong. This parenting thing is no joke. It's so hard. But like at that moment, I'm like, okay, we're doing something right here. And, and like, we, we took that moment to kind of have some family discussions, um, about that. It's okay sometimes to, as much as that kind of sounds counterintuitive, because we always are saying, don't give up and push through and like, do your best and don't quit. Sometimes we are going to fail. And sometimes we are going to fall short. And guess what? That's okay. Like there is a point where we have to step back and look at our situation and make the best choice. And sometimes the best choice isn't what we want it to be, but it doesn't mean that it's not right. And um, one of my other friends said to me, she's like, one of the best lessons you can give your children is letting them see you fail. Because if they don't, if they just see you as, oh, I go out there and I reach every single goal, what's going to happen to them when they fail? Because it's part of life. And so for us to take that and say, okay, what do we do when we fall down? We talk about it. We evaluate. We learn lessons. But we get up and we keep going. We get up and we keep fighting. So to kind of go through that as a family and all day long, my kids just said, I'm so glad you're safe, mommy. I'm so glad you're okay. And like, thank you for stopping mom. Like they just were like, so there was so much love and like, um, support from them. And they, and like, we're so proud of you, mom. You still did amazing. You were still incredible. Like they told me that all day long, you know, is as I was kind of working through, I had it, I went home, I went back to our Airbnb, our cute little cabin up in Leadville and had a nap and a shower and a cry. And my husband took all the kids four wheeling. And I was like, you know what? Like, I can't like sit around and, and my pity all day. So, you know what? They came back and I was ready to have fun and be happy. And we had a great family day and I'm like, okay, that's what you do. Like, I'm not going to wallow in it. I mean, clearly in my mind over the next couple of weeks, I was working through it. Like I've talked about most of this episode, but as, but it doesn't mean I need to let it consume me. It doesn't mean I need to let it consume my happiness or, or, um, or let it affect other aspects of my life. And I think that's a really important thing. People talk about like post-race depression, even when they have a good race or a bad race, like take a moment to evaluate it, but it doesn't need to bleed into like all the areas of your life. You know, it's so, um, I kind of went off on a tangent there, Matt, but yes, there's my, there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, it was really well said. I really appreciate you going on that tangent because it, it made it made a lot of sense and it does connect in this more overarching theme. That's for sure. And going back to the, the 50 miler at mile two, you knew it wasn't your day. You knew right away at Revel. Did you know right away that it was going to be your day? Yes, I did, Matt. And I don't know if I mentioned that, but I did. At, I would say probably again at mile two, maybe there's a theme there. Um, I got emotional because I was like, I mean, like expletives in my brain, like, heck yeah. Like I'm going to do this. Like today is my freaking day. I knew it. I knew it was my day. I just could feel it in like, I could just feel it. 
and um, that's happened to me on a couple of my big PRs, like very early on, I'm like, let's dance, you know, and I, I had studied the course a little bit and I knew it flattened out at the end. I knew the last 5k, even though it was flat slash very mildly downhill, depending on what part of the, I knew it was going to feel after that steepness of the first nine, eight, eight and a half miles. I knew it was going to feel uphill. So for me to like, right then it was like, love it right now. You feel good right now, but you're going to have to fight at some point. And, and I most definitely did. Like it got, it got brutal those last couple miles. So so what what did you do in those miles to keep a positive mindset while you were grinding really hard? Yeah, okay. So I had discussed with my coach about um, it's really hard on a downhill course, you know, to um, kind of decide on that level because you're you you know you want to take advantage of the downhill, but you also have a long ways to go and you got to pace yourself. So I, in my brain, my my main goal was to just to keep it under a six thirty pace um, for the downhill miles and to watch my heart rate and to, um, to, to mostly go off a feel. So I honestly just felt so good at the beginning. They're really there. Um, um, and so as I kept clicking off those miles, I think every mile at that comfortable pace was, um, was just like a confidence booster that I was like one mile closer to my goal. So when it got, when I, when things flattened out and it really got hard, um, it was like, it was too late to give up now. It was like, you have a 5k, Randy, like you can run a flat 5k in under 20 minutes. Like you can do this. Do you know what I mean? And this is a little bit downhill. So I kind of just had to give myself like, kind of be very factual about it. Like think about your fitness. Um, Tyler has had me close a lot of like my hard runs with like progressive kind of negative splits. So I knew that I had workouts to back up what I was trying to do. Um, I'm like, you can do this. You have closed many a hard runs in the, in the low sixes, like, you know, um, and you're racing. Um, and so now is the time to kind of let those hard workouts come to fruition. Like you, why did you do those workouts? I did them so that I could perform on a race day, right? Like, so that I could get stronger. And so it was kind of like a now or never type of, um, mentality. I also was really fortunate. The girl who ended up winning, who finished maybe 20 to 30 seconds in front of me um her and I ran together for probably the first nine miles she pulled ahead of me with the last 5k but she was always in I could see her the whole time she was always about maybe uh 30 to 50 yards ahead of me so my main goal was to just keep her in my sights and then we also at the same time she was gaining on people and so was I so, um, I kind of let, let her pace me, um, which allowed me actually to pass the second place girl, the last half mile and allowed me. So even though my last five K, um, split wise, they would be positive splits. I think my, my average pace for the race was a six twenty three, And I want to say the last few miles, my average was like a six forty, maybe six thirty five. Wow. So I definitely, when it flattened out, I definitely slowed down. But I mean, that's a unique course. And so I knew from the get go that the chances of me having a negative split, which of course, who wouldn't love that? But I knew, I knew that like, um, that that would be difficult for me to do after the downhill. And especially you do start to feel, feel it on your legs when it flattens out. You're like, oh, well, yes. Hello there, legs. (laughs) So, um, so my man. And I say, wow, I say, wow, with that last 5K, because I think it's like super impressive to bust out 
basically like a 20 minute 5k at the end of a half marathon that was downhill and just so grueling on your life. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, and, and I, um, I definitely was really, really stoked about those last splits with all things considered. And that's, that's when like that fighter and that fire had to come out because that was the pain cave. That's like where you go to that dark place, but it was like, you are so freaking close to really smashing your PR. Like, so for me to slow down now, it just felt like such a waste. It's like, you can be, anybody really can do anything for like 20 minutes, right? I'm like, you can be miserable for 20 minutes, Randy. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be so worth it. So as like, I kind of just broke the race up into half mile chunks. And I'm like, now I only have two and a half miles. Like, and then also what I was doing was I was running my splits mentally in kind of half mile chunks. Like all you need to do is run fast for three minutes and 20 seconds and then do it again. You know how we all kind of bargain with ourselves differently. And so that was my bargain. Like just do it a few more minutes as fast as you can. And now just repeat, repeat, you know? So I just broke it into really small chunks instead of, um, so I want to get overwhelmed. Um, so at the same time, like I looked at my big goal, like, you know, 5k left. And then I just tried to break it into smaller pieces and, um, and to just try to be consistent with my pace. I love that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We all do that to some degree. And it's great when you can do it for a positive, not a negative. Yeah. Um, so that that is huge. And, you know, so this year is pretty unique for you. I mean, I feel like you normally are, I mean, you're just an active mm-hmm. person generally. Yeah. But normally I feel like you race a lot more than you have in 2018 and for, for obvious yeah. reasons. So what does the rest of the year look like, right? We got about a little over two Yeah, yeah, I definitely haven't raced much this year at all. Um, but I um, am running a New York marathon in less than two weeks. So right. I'm super stoked about that. It's been on the bucket list for a long time. Um, I have gotten so really sweet messages, like on social media and texts, like, oh, are you trying to go sub three at New York? And I'm like, haha, No. Um, you know, I had a really positive marathon training cycle and on paper, you know, my PR right now is a three thirteen. um, on a good day. I, I'm actually really confident that I could run a, a definite strong PR. Um, I have zero intentions of my goal going sub three in New York. And actually on a side note, um, to be vague, I have had a really rad project come up super neat cannot talk about it yet but basically because of it I need to have fresh legs directly after the New York marathon so I'm actually not going to race New York I'm just going to kind of run it and jog it and have a grand old time um I'm working right now to decide what that means um I don't know if that means going medium pace or if I'm like going to wear a costume and like hand out candy. I honestly like, should I carry a boom box and have a, this just like party. So for me, New York is just going to be a celebration. Um, it was really amazing to qualify for the New York marathon. Um, and I remember years ago when someone was like, Whoa, your times are getting fast. You could qualify for the New York marathon. I was like, I didn't even know that existed. I just thought there was a lottery and it was like, you qualify for New York. So this was, you know, probably five, six years ago. So when I found out about that, I knew like, oh yeah, I'm going to slowly work on that. So, um, so really, I feel like it's a great celebration of how far I've come as a runner and it's a really iconic race. It's a world major. I'm going to see a lot of friends there. So I'm really, really excited to go and have a blast at the New York marathon. Um, but I won't have any time goals. It's just going to be a big party. 
Well, I can't wait to find out what you're alluding to about about your post New York endeavors. Uh, maybe I can catch you offline. And you can give oh, me for a sneak sure. peek. I yeah. don't know, but I'm but I'm de- I'm definitely excited to to see what the next Ooh, adventure yes. is. And so yeah, sure. um, as far as the rest of the year goes. Um, I'm not sure, um, because I'm not racing New York anymore. I may throw on a last, another last minute half. I'd love to run a flat course half right now and see what I could do. Um, because again, not dissing everyone's PR in those downhill courses there. I mean, it's probably just as painful, but you know, I don't feel like I could run a 123 on a flat course. Like I'm not being delusional, but I definitely feel like I could get a strong PR on like my flat course PR. Right. And so, um, I'd love to run a flat race. Um, I just signed up for Mount Charleston in the spring. So I think that's going to be my next focus. And I, it's a downhill course and I will go out there and say it. I am going to shoot to go sub three in April. I'm just going to go for it. I'm like enough of messing around with this. I'm going to take five minutes off at a time. I've been really conservative and private about trying to do that, but I'm kind of like over it. And I think especially after having a DNF and just recognizing that it's okay if you fall short, like it's okay that the, if everybody knows that you had a goal and you didn't reach it, it's fine. And so it's kind of been like turning over a new chapter for me. And it's kind of, um, a a really kind of clean, happy feeling. (laughs) And so, um, yeah. This is great. I'm so excited for you. You are obviously very excited and it's, uh, it's, it's contagious. No doubt about it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Randy. If this is the first time you've heard a Randy Orm episode, go back to the beginning of 2018. You can check out the first one, the OG episode, as well as we had Tyler Underwood on around the same time. You, I don't think he was your coach back then, but I would encourage anyone to check that out as well. Thank you so much for the time, Randy. This has been fantastic. That is always a pleasure. Um, great to talk to you, and I hope you have a fabulous day. Thank you, Randy, for coming on the show. This was so much fun, just as I knew it would be. Who doesn't love a comeback story? I know I'm a sucker for him. So it was great to see Randy have that experience uh, recently, just just knocking her half marathon out of the park and even better to talk to her about it. So, Randy, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you to Run for PRs for sponsoring this episode. Check them out, runforprs.co. Also, big shout-out to Megaton Coffee, the best coffee I drink, and I can't get enough of this stuff. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and happy running.